You know what else I, I like? What? Tom Strong. <laughs> I love Alan Moore's Tom Strong. For me, my two favourite Alan Moore things are Tom Strong and Miracle Man. Watchmen, I, lo- I really respect it. Meh. I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> you know? That's I, the quote we need to pull from this. Hello, and welcome to the Story Toolkit. I'm Basim El-Wakil, co-author of Action, The Art of Excitement with Robert McKee, and joining me is Luke Lionel, writer and part of the McKee Storylogue team. So today, we're going to talk about Watchmen, the comic book. Yes, um, and just quickly, thank you to everybody uh, who's been messaging us with ideas for podcasts. Uh, or things they wanted to talk about, um, uh, wanted us to talk about. Um, it's been kind of nice chatting to you via email, so keep them coming. If anybody out there wants us to do a podcast on a particular topic um, uh, or subject or whatever, uh, we are at the Story Toolkit on Twitter, and the storytoolkit.wordpress.com is where you can fire off an email quite easily because um, uh, it's more than 140 characters. Oh, that trailed off really badly. I was impressed. <laughs> anyway, let's get into it. Watchmen. Watchman. Watchmen. TikTok. Um, so Watchmen is the comic book. The famous comic book that's like called the greatest comic book of all time by people who like comic books. Written by Alan Moore. Illustrated by Dave Gibbons. Um, and it's a, it's a wonderful comic book. 12 issues. It was done in 1986. And um, they recently made it into a film, which is not as good. Um, But the comic book's really wonderful. And what we were going to talk about specifically in relation to this comic book was the image systems and the controlling idea. Yeah. And how they work together. So the two... The idea of image system and controlling idea, you read any book on how to write, and whilst they might not use this terminology, they do mention... Yeah. Um, they do mention these things, yeah. um, so we wanted to do a podcast on um, uh, on them just to really highlight how important they can be and how they can elevate a work from good to fantastic, to great, to great. Yes. Okay. So break down Watchmen so for us. Watchmen is um, the story where it opens. It's set in 1985. But it's set in alternate 1985, where Richard Nixon is still president, and that the world is closer and closer to uh, World War Three. Cold War hasn't ended; it's getting worse. And um, the uh, it opens with a murder. Uh, someone has been thrown out of his penthouse in New York City and landed across the pavement. A person called uh, Edward Blake. And um, a vigilante goes up to sort sort of solve this mystery, and the vigilante is a character called Rorschach, and um, he discovers that Edward Blake is a former superhero called the Comedian, and in this world, superheroes have been outlawed, and there are a whole bunch of them, um, and um, the com- so the Comedian's been killed, and this lets Rorschach think that there is a mask killer out there. That someone is killing previous superheroes. And so he goes uh, to a character called Dr. Manhattan. Dr. Manhattan used to be a scientist and he got um, into this weird science experiment that went wrong. Uh, he was locked in a room and um, 
it, the room had this um, thing called like an intrinsic field remover, something like that. And basically, it just atomizes things. And he got trapped in the room and got atomized. However, he managed to somehow come back from this. He managed to piece himself back together again. And now, essentially, he's this blue god-like character who can rearrange um, matter. And he can see through time. Uh, time for him is one simultaneous moment. He doesn't experience past, present, and future. Everything to him is the present. And so um, Rorschach uh, warns him that there's a mask killer, even though Dr. Manhattan seems to be immortal. And Dr. Manhattan, um, because he can see into the future, he decides, you know, you know, what's going to happen, right? And he realizes that he can't see into the future, that there's the future is actually blocked to him. And the reason the future is blocked to him, he can only surmise, is from an enormous tachyon field. And they go, well, what could cause a tachyon field? And he goes, well nuclear war so now Rorschach is thinking that the mask killer might be intending to bring about a nuclear war and so Rorschach tells the other ca- uh, other characters in the story Night Owl for example is one who used to be his partner uh, Silk Spectre is with Dr. Manhattan when he tells her uh, Night Owl doesn't really believe him doesn't know what to do about it he's retired he goes to Ozymandias Ozymandias used to be the um uh, like you know, the smartest man in the world, uh, kind of superhero, and he's sort of retired, but he's now this big top businessman, a uh, really powerful guy, and he warns uh, Ozymandias about it, and Ozymandias is like, well, I don't know what to think about that, and then someone tries to kill Ozymandias, an assassin comes to get Ozymandias, and Ozymandias manages to avoid the assassin's bullet. Uh, he incapacitates the assassin, and as he tries to interrogate the assassin, the assassin. Uh, dies from a cyanide capsule in his mouth and it's like okay so it seems like this mask killer is trying to get them uh rorschach gets arrested night owl and silk spectre suit up they rescue rorschach dr manhattan uh starts finding out that um everyone uh he knows and cares about in his past is dead or dying of cancer and so he uh, he get, he thinks he's the cause of it, and so he runs away. And because he's Doctor Manhattan, running away means going to Mars. <laughs> so he goes to Mars, just teleports himself to Mars because Manhattan can teleport. And um, Ozymandias, um, uh, sorry, not Ozymandias, um, uh, Night Owl and Silk Spectre break Rorschach out of prison. Uh, they realize that Doctor Manhattan has somehow been taken out by the mask killer, that the mask killer did this on purpose. They discover that the comedian found out something, some bizarre conspiracy involving a, uh, involving um, psychics and um, artists and scientists, and that he was killed because he knew something about it. Uh, and the reason they know this is because Moloch the Mystic told them, and Moloch the Mystic used to be a villain, and he has some psychic power, but uh, his psychic power has... Uh, is kind of diminished and he's dying of cancer and uh, so they think that uh, uh, that's been done to him because comedian told him something about it and so on so there's something going on they're trying to work out who the mask killer might be uh, and that's when they discover spoiler uh, that's when they discover that the mask killer uh, has been Ozymandias all along and so they go to Ozymandias's lair in the Antarctic to face him and that's when Ozymandias explains that yes he is indeed the mask killer but he's not interested in creating World War 3 he's going to stop it 
And his plan to stop it is that he's going to teleport a giant squid-like creature that's been imprinted with all these sort of psychic nightmares created by artists, uh, all of whom he's killed, by the way, now. And it's going to arrive in New York and explode, and the psychic backlash will spread this sort of nightmarish alien world into people's minds. And that will let people think that there's an alien invasion that's imminent, and therefore people will um, band together against the alien menace and thus stop World War Three. They think, oh, we're going to stop you. I mean, when were you going to do this? And he goes, I did it 35 minutes ago. And so he pulls it off. The world buys it. The Watchmen decide, Dr. Manhattan comes back, and they all decide, you know what? We're going to let this pass because it seems to have actually worked. And Man says, yeah, it worked because I'm smart. Of course it worked. <laughs> and Rorschach's like, yeah, no, that's not happening. I'm not letting you get away with this. And so because he won't compromise, Dr. Manhattan kills Rorschach. And then um, uh, it seems like Ozymandias has won. Unfortunately, in the resolution, uh, Rorschach has been keeping a journal of what's been going on. And he put it in the post before he left to face the Antarctic. And um, it's going to get published. And that will undo Ozymandias' work. And that's obviously a very brief synopsis. I've left out enormous swaths <laughs> of story there. Um, but it's, um, it's just the basic storyline. Okay. Yeah. So... Uh, before we go into detail about the controlling idea and image system within yeah. Watchmen, let's just talk briefly about what they are. Let's clarify terminology. Yeah. So an image system is when you have like a recurring uh, motif in the language, in the visuals, and so on. So obviously you can have image system in um, novels, right? Yeah. Because the prose has uh, images. If you listen to Shakespeare's plays, there's image system in all his dialogue, right? They, uh, so there's certain imagery. And what what's the... Um uh, the really good one you you've been pointing out more recently is it Hamlet that's death or is it King Lear or oh I, I was watching Richard the Second at the barbecue. That's right. That's right. Uh, David Tennant was playing Richard the Second, and uh, I'd never heard, seen the play before. I didn't know anything about the play, and it's very hard to follow Shakespeare if you haven't studied it because they don't talk uh, in any sort of real way. <laughs> <laughs> like it's completely uh, alien, essentially. But what you what I notice is that if you just sort of zone out in a way of trying to pick up every word and follow it the subtext tells you what's going on so the actors know what they're doing right you can kind of tell relationships instead you just kind of hear uh element like certain words and one of the things i realized in richard ii is the constant constant imagery of a funeral yeah everything about the play has everyone is speaking with words that are very funeral in sound though black shroud crying i mean their language is about tears and weeping and yeah. that kind of stuff so there's a big so it's like the whole play is an enormous eulogy for richard ii i just wanted to bring it up because when when you think image system you do literally think images yeah and i think the words are so important the words yeah. they use exactly and uh, watchman uses lots of images right but it also has lots of words yeah so yeah. it's in both those elements. The way to keep an image system so the whole point of an image system is it reinforces the meaning of the story and um, what you what happens is you take an image that has a value, that has a sort of meaning, and then inside the story you give it its own unique meaning. And what happens is that um, if you make it, you want you want a category of imagery that you can vary because if it's the same image again and again, everyone picks up on it and then it loses all its power. It only works if people ha can't notice it. 
Yeah. If it's subliminal. So, I mean, this is all explained in story by Robert McKee. But um, this is this is how an image system sort of works. You want to, he has to, it, the only way to keep it hidden is if it's varied but linked. So, um, you know, if you're going to, in the case of Shakespeare, you know, he mentioned all the different ways he mentioned a funeral. He didn't just kept saying the word funeral. Yeah. Right? That won't work. It has to be varied. And then uh, the controlling idea of a story is how and why life changes. Um, and so uh, the image system and the controlling idea work in tandem. The image system helps express the controlling idea. The controlling idea is helped expressed by the image system. It doesn't really matter which one you come up with first. It just eventually, if you're using the two, that's how it works. Just quickly on the controlling idea as well. Yeah. Um, uh, the how and why life changes. This is expressed at the climax yeah. of your story. Yeah. At the it? climax. Yeah. That's yeah. how you because that's when life has finally changed, right? Yeah. Uh, but it's it's sort of it's again it's recurrent throughout the whole story. Yeah. Um It's just that. Um, uh, it's it doesn't f- the climax is when it's finally done. Yeah. So I, I, again, I just wanted to clarify terminology we're using today, but yeah. uh, there are plenty of books and works and and artists out there that don't use this terminology but are still doing the same thing. Yeah, they're doing the same I, thing. Yeah. I bring it up because um, I just listened to a podcast, uh, an interview with Seth Rogen. All right. Uh, and something that what what I realised about Seth Rogen is he's not just a kind of bumbling stoner comedian. The way he writes, yeah, with um, Evan, uh, I forget his second name. Um, the way he and his partner write, they come up with something they're trying to say. Yes. Um. Uh. The, this central idea, um, and he has it written down by his computer. Yeah. But he never once used the, the terminology controlling idea. No. But the way he's talking about it, it's like okay, he gets it. He yeah. totally understands how it. Um, yeah. Uh, that that his writing is trying to convey this kind of message. Right. Um, uh, and he does, but but the the practice is good practice, both. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But so doesn't use that terminology. Yeah, that's that's just the terminology. Yeah. Okay, so those are the the definitions. Then let's crack on with Watchmen. Then. Yeah. So uh, in Watchmen. Um, the controlling idea of Watchmen, the way you find out what the controlling idea is at climax, you look at how life has changed and then why it changed. And um, Watchmen basically says that evil sort of can't be beaten and that life can't be saved, fundamentally. You just can't save the world. Uh, and the reason you can't save the world is because people are inherently corrupt or corruptible. So the world just cannot be saved. So the how is the world can't be saved. And yeah. the why is because... Because people are corruptible. Yeah, so that's the, the how and why life yeah. changes. And right. that's why, that's at the end, and that, if you look at the ending of Watchmen, that's what changes how and why, right? The world is plunged into sort of a pseudo-peace, but only because millions of people in New York died. Okay. And that it's literally so precarious that a journal from a raving madman might undo it all. <laughs> so the idea that Ozymandias has saved the world is preposterous. He has not saved the world. And then how come the world just cannot be saved? Well, because Rorschach's insane. Ozymandias is insane. Dr. Manhattan is completely inhuman and an alien. Right, Night Owl and Six Silk Spectre are weak and complicit. I mean, the, Alan Moore said the reason it's a squid is so you know he's wrong. 
Ozymandias is wrong. His plan is absolutely crazy. That's why Night Owl says to him, it's like, this is completely insane. Oh, sorry, when you say wrong, you you, you mean crazy. There is yeah. The reason, yeah, yeah okay. he's like, this is not the right way to do it. Sure, sure. Um, okay. And Rorschach, I mean, he makes the point, like, uh, Alan Moore himself has said repeatedly, like, Rorschach is not, like, a cool character. <laughs> like, he's really messed up. He's really tragic. I love like, this I love this idea that... Because you do, right? You read Watchmen, you do feel... a. a a tremendous amount for Rorschach. Yeah, but what you feel is, is tragedy because yeah. like, the guy has a death wish. Like um, Rorschach, uh, when he gets killed by Doctor Manhattan, um, he says he says to him, "Do it." Yeah, and he's like, "What are you waiting for? Just do it." Like d- Rorschach wants to die with honor. Yeah, so he wants that kind of warrior's death because he hates his life and he hates the world around him. He hates everything. He's not happy, and so this. So Rorschach isn't like a cool action hero or anything. Like Rorschach's a really tragic character. Ozymandias is completely insane. Yeah. Uh, his his plan is just murdering millions of people because that'll save the world, you know. And it's just like you. These people have enormous power, and yet they can't do it. They cannot save the world because of who they are. Yeah. And so the the end of the story is very clearly about that. The, the Watchman just says. I mean, Alan Moore has, has, I think, has pretty much said this in interviews. Like, Watchmen is about the fact that the kind of power that these characters have, have will not stop save the world. Like, it just doesn't work that way. And in fact, that's where he kind of got the idea of Watchmen from. You know, all these superheroes had all these powers. And it's like, it's not a question of people having enough power to save the world. It's the problem that people are the reason the world's in trouble anyway. We have the power to do it we just don't use it because that's how how we are so uh that's what watchman fundamentally says you know I and mean, what's the phrase watchman who watches the watchman right yeah um and so it, it's what just one of those sort of plays on on the thing it's just like let's just let's just detail these um a bit more specifically so do you, do you know where the phrase who watches the watchman comes from I don't. I want to say Bob Dylan, but I don't know why. <laughs> no, uh, it's it's a Roman. It was a Roman. I think a Roman writer, and he was writing a letter to someone, telling him why that guy should never get married. <laughs> it's like you should never get married. It's like take up a male lover instead. Or something just don't get married. And his argument was like, women are horrible. <laughs> <laughs> they can't be trusted. They're conniving and. And like, even if, even if you constrain her to your house and have guards watching her, who will watch the watchman? I.e., they'll have sex with her. Like the guards, <laughs> like she'll just seduce them. So who will watch the watchman? It's like it wasn't about state power or anything. About just so crazy misogynistic rant. <laughs> so. Um, I'm glad that quote's been misappropriated. Now. Yeah. So, but the, even in the phrase of who watches the watchman from the original thing, that the, the, the whole point of the phrase is like the people you ask to <laughs> protect things, they themselves are corruptible. Yeah. So who will watch them, right? And so that's why it applies to this and some. So, okay, a bit more detail then with the examples. Um, uh, so how does Ozymandias express this controlling idea? Oh, what the... Oh, because well, Ozymandias is completely insane. Um, this is a guy whose plan is, I'm going to get a whole bunch of people together, create essentially a giant flesh bomb, kill everyone flesh involved. Flesh bomb. It is a giant flesh bomb. 
I'm going to kill everyone involved. Psychic flesh bomb. Yeah, psychic flesh bomb. I'm going to kill millions of people. I'm going to trick. I'm going to create an enormous lie. He quotes Hitler. Does he really? Yes, he says, Hitler said, if you make the lie big enough, people will believe it. Right? Right. So it's not like he's going like, yeah, I really want to... Yeah. Like that, it's like, I don't see how anyone else could possibly save the world. I'm amazingly intelligent. There's no one greater than me. I'll save the world. And people just have to like it. And it doesn't matter who dies in the process. Right? That's the thinking that's going on. Ozymandias thinks he's the good guy. Right? He yeah. thinks he's the good guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's completely insane. He's completely evil and grotesque. But he thinks he's really good. He thinks he's doing the right thing. Which makes him even more terrifying. But this is a man who actively kills millions of people because he thinks Hitler had a point. Right? And he, and he unleashes this giant uh, destruction on New York and terrifies the entire planet. Yeah. That's his plan. His plan to stop two cultures at war with each other over fear is to make them scared of another culture. Right. Right. So I mean, like that plan is completely insane. And so he can't save the world because the world he's created, the world he's, he stopped the world war and created a worse world in the process. What's there? And he doesn't see it. He just sees like, Oh, America and Russia aren't fighting anymore. That's fine. He doesn't see the corpses. He doesn't see the blood. What's the wording you used again on the controlling idea? What, how I phrased it. Yeah, yeah. You can't save the world because people are inherently corrupt, essentially. Okay. So, it's more the, the, the corruption. How does that link in with Ozymandias? He's, he's corrupt. Oh, he's corrupt. Okay. I'm he's absolutely okay. corrupted. His, his desire to save the world has completely corrupted his ability to save the world. I'm with you. The only way okay. he can save the world is by killing innocent people which is the very thing he's trying to stop yes you see what I'm saying so it's a self it's a self-defeating proposition for him Um, you don't don't mean corrupt in that uh, in in the way that he's taken money from it's it's just the the image you get when you say he doesn't care about that he doesn't care about that stuff um, his his morals have been corrupted yeah his morality has been inverted yeah Um, he's so frustrated he doesn't know how to save the world and so his only way he can think of saving the world is to push it even closer to Armageddon okay. and hope that people wake up. Okay. And that's just pure desperation. I mean, I love this character, Ozymandias. I think it's a really great character. Um, but it, he's he's so morally twisted. Um, and he doesn't see it. He just doesn't see it. He thinks he's done the right thing. And there's a wonderful bit after he's pulled it off and sobriety hits him and he says to Dr. Manhattan... I did the right thing in the end, right? <laughs> and Manhattan just says, nothing ever ends. I mean, like, how... It's just beautiful writing. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's absolutely beautiful. And so, um, there's that one moment where Ozymandias is kind of stuck. Now, now that it's done and the euphoria is gone, there's a great insight Alan Moore had because he realised it was... He wouldn't say that until it's done. Yeah. And he has that moment of reflection that he looks at it and then goes, oh, what did I do? Which is funny because he's Ozymandias. Look on my works, ye mighty, and despair. Right. But he does that. He looks on his own works and despairs. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, um, yeah. 
Okay, um, Dr. Manhattan then, expressing the controlling idea. Yeah, so Dr. Manhattan uh, is completely emotionless and self-centered. We can't think, he doesn't, he doesn't really care about anybody else. So how can he save the world? He doesn't care. Yeah. So how can he possibly do it? Ozymandias cares too much. Dr. Manhattan doesn't care enough. I mean, they, the comedian even, even says this to Manhattan. He says, you're losing it, Doc. I don't think you care about any of us. God help us all. Because he's aware, like, what Manhattan could do if he just stops caring. You know? And so, Dr. Manhattan is, is someone um, who's so... Who, who, who life doesn't mean anything for him anymore. And so, as a result, he's, he's a complete nihilist. And he, he'd much rather spend his time on Mars... Uh, looking at the, the dead rocks than see the lives of human beings. He just doesn't care. Just he has no emotional connection. How can he save the world? Okay, and we'll... and so at the, well, I mean at the end of the climax, right? He shows up like a hero. Yeah, comes back. I'm going to stop you, Ozymandias. Ozymandias says, "Hey, look what I did! I actually made it work." And Doctor Manhattan's like, "Huh? Yeah, okay." Bearing in mind, Doctor Manhattan knows what happens next because he can see the future. He knows how it turns out. Oh, I see. You know what? I never considered that. Actually, he knows how it the turns thing, out. The thing stopping him seeing was the the, 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 the giant's psychic flesh bomb. Yeah. Um, no, no, the flesh bomb wasn't what was stopping him seeing it. Was it not? No. Ozymandias has, in his Antarctic base, a tachyon field generator. Oh. That he's just had turned on. It's been that long since I've read it. To block it. And so <laughs> in the fight, Excellent. at the end, he smashes it. So you can see the future. He knows what, That's why he says nothing ever ends. Right. He knows what's he knows. coming next. Sure. And he lets it happen anyway. Right? He just sees the patterns and he's just like, okay, I'm just going to let it go. Huh. And then uh, and then Rorschach is yeah, another yeah, one, yeah. right? Yeah, Rorschach. Well, Rorschach tries to save the world and unfortunately Rorschach's completely insane. Like, he's psychologically damaged. He's suicidal. <laughs> like, yeah, he's going to save the world. Someone who wants to die is going to save everyone else. Do you know what I mean? Like he, he. This is the guy uh, who uh, you know he's given the Rorschach test, and like yeah. we know he fails it. This is a man whose psychopathy is so contagious that the guy in charge of giving him a psychiatric evaluation gets destroyed by him. <laughs> so yeah, he's going to save the world. I love his issue. It's yeah, like issue five or something. something it's like just that. the one. I think it's issue bad. six because the whole point of it is a Rorschach. Yeah. It's in the middle of the comic. Oh, okay. Something like that. Okay. Um, I do, I have that individual. I bought uh, yeah. a few online years ago, but I do have that individual yeah. episode so you can see the Rorschach yeah. uh, test. Yeah. If you can't do it in the graphic novel. Dave, Gib- Dave Gibbons does such an amazing job. Oh, yeah. Work, right? Like, just panel, everything. So, for, just, just really briefly explain for the people that don't know the comic well enough the the Rorschach episode oh the, oh the, the that issue yeah not not the issue just the the trick oh the, the apparent if i remember correctly the whole trick of it is that the way the pages are laid out in the comic are mirror opposites so the issue is itself like a Rorschach ink yeah. test like you know because an ink, the Rorschach test is they put some ink on a piece of paper they fold it open it up so it creates a symmetrical pattern well the way that the panels are laid out in the comic are symmetrical, so it's like a Rorschach test. Yeah, just kind of cute. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, um, and that of course plays into the theme of the issue. 
Yes. Which is that, you know, he's just a dark mirror. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, he, he ends up turning the psychiatrist into himself, you know. So <laughs> anyway. Okay, so you can't save the world um, because people are... You're just corrupt. corrupt. And so, like, that's the end of the story, right? You have a bunch of corrupt people thinking they can save the world and none of them do. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> of who they are. That's the, that's the controlling idea of the story. Okay, so let's talk about image system then, because um, these two feed into each other. Yeah, so the, the image systems, there's two in Watchmen. And again, this is both in the images, the visuals, and the language. The words, yeah. Uh, one image system is that life is basically a winding down clock. That life is kind of just this winding down, it's just winding down, it's very very uh it's just falling apart um you know clock coming to the end of its time um and there's so much imagery related to this uh i mean first of all the nature of the story constantly travels back and forth through time uh there's it's constantly going flashbacks yeah so you see flashbacks then you see the present day and you see how events in the past are interconnected with events in the present and so there's this sense of like how everything is moving together in one unit, which uh, again something Alan Moore mentioned, which was how when he was planning it out, he realised that it looked like a giant clock, okay, and so he was planning it out that way, and so but everything's sort of coming towards an end, and um, so that that's sort of the major way they do it. But then there's also the things like the Doomsday Clock is mentioned in the comic repeatedly, the cl- that being the thing that's saying how close we are to Armageddon. Which, by the way, when Trump took office, it's now closer in real life than it was in the comic book of Watchmen. Oh, jeez. I'm not joking. Really? Yeah. We, we are closer to Armageddon than Watchmen was. Which, oh, <laughs> which suggests... Isn't that fun? Anyway, so... Didn't you have, um, at the beginning of each uh, episode, the the clock gets closer yeah, to 12? Yeah, each, each issue on the cover, the clock is closer towards 12. Yeah. The issues, there are 12 of them. Uh, of course. Yeah. Right? Um, and um, so, it's, so there's this clock imagery. Plus, you know, it's called Watchmen. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's actually called Watchmen. Uh, there's, there's there's no there's no there's not hiding anything about the clock imagery. So there's the Watchman. <coughs> pardon me. There's the name Watchman, Doctor Manhattan. His his he his dad is a watchmaker. He wants to be a watchmaker. He puts himself together because of his ability to make watches. That's how he builds himself back together again. He becomes a scientist who's in relativity, which is to do with time. Uh, he can see through time back and forth. The uh, the Doctor Manhattan issue as well is superb because that's yeah. the one that really plays with time, doesn't it? Yeah, where he's 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 constantly narrating as if he's in the present. Yeah, it's it's 1946 like, and I'm right. sitting here. It's 1985 and I'm sitting here. Yeah, and like constantly everything's in the present. Yeah. And so um, and so he kind of connects everything together. And normally, a clock is an image of stability cycles that things are sort of like just ticking on. As they're meant to be, but in Watchmen, it takes on a very oppressive feel of how time is just squeezing everything out, how time is running out, how it's the end of history is coming up, yeah. right? And uh, and everything's running out of time, even to the point where Ozymandias says, uh, "You know, I do it. I did it thirty-five minutes ago. Like they ran out of time." Okay, so there's this constant sense of there isn't enough time, it's running out, 
time is about to end. And of course, this this relates back to what you originally said when we were defining the image system. When yes. you were defining the image system about taking an image, taking something, but actually inverting it. Yeah. Or yeah, you you. It's not just oh, the clocks represent clocks. Yeah. The clocks don't represent time. They specifically represent the end of time. They represent history being on the at the stake of this. It's, yeah. This is like history is what's at stake. And so the future, the past, by, everything's at stake. By doing that, do you think it allows you to not be repetitive with your imagery? If it was straightforward, just um, well, it's not, clocks. Well, it's not even just clocks, though, is it? Uh, you've got, as I pointed out, there's the time, relativity isn't it, part of the image system. Yeah. Right. He's not just any scientist. He's not like he's a biologist. He specifically works in physics. They talk about Einstein. So you've got space and time in your head. Right, okay. Right? So he's referring to time all the time. Um, you've got um, this concept of, um, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, they're called the Watchmen, right? Which is a bizarre thing. Why are they called the Watchmen? Like, it's just for this image oh, system. What was the original team called? Minutemen. Yeah. Minute, yeah. right? So you've got yeah, the yeah. Minutemen, the Watchmen. You've got um, uh, Ozymandias talking about the time frame of when he's going to do it like the big line in the fil- in the story in the comic book is I did it 35 minutes ago yeah. it's a time related statement um, you, they're constantly using the dates of things 1946 1972 constantly back and forth uh, it's got history built into it and all these things so all these images of history and time the doomsday clock the fact it's called Watchmen it's a huge varied category of time and it and it's all being manipulated and used to create the sense of time running out of history running out yeah that this is the last war the end of wars yeah so um that's that image system the second image system is the powerless as impotent oh, sorry big about the powerful as impotent So you have all these images of powerful people and powerful entities, but they're impotent. So Dr. Manhattan, for example, is capable of (laughs) almost anything, okay? Yet what does he say when they say, why don't you just stop this? And he goes, I'm like all of you. I'm just a puppet. The only difference is I can see the strings, (laughs) right? Um, Night Owl is literally impotent, okay? Um, Then you've got Richard Nixon, Richard Nixon is the president of the United States and all he cares about is how he's going to go down in legacy, uh, in history. He doesn't feel like he has the capacity to change things. He just is worried how people are going to remember what he did. He doesn't he doesn't think in terms of being able to change things. And Ozymandias, you know, did it all work out in the end? Nothing ends. Like everything you did didn't matter. Yeah. And both of these image systems uh, create a real are both playing into the sense of futility that fundamentally it's futile, which is the controlling idea of the story. It's futile to try and save the world. You just can't do it. world can't be saved. So Watchmen, the image systems, these two image systems of time running out, of powerful people being impotent, plays into this image system, uh, plays into this story that these superheroes can't save the world, that they are impotent, and that eventually it's all going to (laughs) end. Because Alan Moore, you know, he wrote a lot of stuff uh, during the 1980s. And during the 1980s, he was, you know, around for Thatcher. And they were talking about, you know, putting homosexuals into, um, and AIDS victims into concentration camps and things like that. And so, like, it was very terrifying. I remember reading uh, V for Vendetta. 
and the forward in V for Vendetta was him saying how he didn't want to li- live in England anymore. And when you realize that he, d- I don't think he has a passport, <laughs> right? He's lived in Northampton his whole life. So for him to say, I don't want to live in England anymore back in the 80s, that this, he was really, really sort of upset with where the country was going yeah. at the time. And so the, the his threat, work at that time is really, really depressed. The threat and, of nuclear war as well, uh, as well back in the 80s was very real yeah. with, with Reagan. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I was, as a, as a four-year-old back in the mid-80s, I was yeah. taken on uh, C&D marches by my, yeah. uh, right. by my parents, right? Yeah. Yep. So I, I I was aware it was a, yeah. a thing, but I, I hadn't. I, hadn't I remember all the post-apocalyptic fiction at the time. My favourite um, post-apocalyptic thing was at the beginning of Fist of the North Star. It wasn't a great cartoon, but the fir- the film opened with the phrase uh, "In the near future, man finally destroys his world." Right. <laughs> Which I just thought like that just sums everything up. Right. Yeah. It's beautiful. Um, but it, this is so. This is a very few. By the way. Um, uh, Watchmen gets uh, a proper dissecting in the action book that hopefully will be out this year uh, and I talk about it in lecture a bit more so there's elements of Watchmen that uh, that I haven't brought up because they're not specifically about image systems yeah, yeah. but there is more stuff to this and if we were going to talk in, talk about Watchmen in, in more detail we'd need longer than an hour uh, yeah, that's like it's, the... it's it's a particularly dense work. Well, I have to I I, I have to kind of go through it <laughs> in the lecture in less than an hour. Well, right. Uh, yeah, I have to kind of get through it kind of uh, quickly. But the good thing is, you know, it's, it's part of the lecture. Is like you've I've done a lot of groundwork before you get to Watchmen, so it's okay. Um, but uh, regardless, the, so when the book comes out, there's more about Watchmen in there. Uh, hopefully again this year hopefully yeah. it should be so the, the point being we are just sticking very deliberately to image systems yeah there's more like this nuclear energy. war few, the, the love, nuclear war stuff is like a whole other thing I could sure, talk about okay. get to. <laughs> I love this idea uh, of um, uh, it's the it's the way that the image system and the controlling idea are linked yes okay? which is ultimately the point of this, this yes. podcast like the fact they are linked but it's the, it's the point of an image system the, well, it's okay it's the point of an image system but yeah. the point of this is we're highlighting um, uh, how to do it but um, so again the controlling idea being that you can't save the world or the how being yeah. you can't save the world yeah. um, and say so the image system both systems being born out of this futility yeah this is it's just not possible yeah, things can't change like that. And um, I should point out that image systems aren't like a requirement. Like most stories don't have image systems. Image systems are an aspect of a certain presentational style, uh, presentational genre, which is poet poetics basically. Okay. If you're doing a, if you're presenting your story in a poetic form, you're going to need an image system. If you're not, you don't need one. It would just get in the way. Ocean's Eleven, Die Hard. <laughs> these, Die Hard was the example. Yeah, they, they are. They don't have image systems. They don't want them. They're not poetic. Sure. That's it. Whereas a lot of, um, uh, whereas everything Alan Moore does is poetic. Yeah. Everything he does has image systems. Everything Shakespeare did has image systems, um, and it's very alluring. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's not something that's required. If you do image systems, um, uh, it, it really sort of changes things the, the 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 mood of a poetic work is different to the mood yeah. of some of say a comedy 
or whatever. I mean, you wouldn't really have image systems in comedy. Really. I like I like being able to spot image systems, but once yeah. I've seen them, it's only sometimes that I go, oh, wow, this is really nice. Uh, yeah. Most of the time, I fight, once you spot it, it totally gets in the way. It does. Um, I know what watching Walking Dead recently, we're just going through season six, and yeah. I spotted the image system a little while ago, but six is heavily laden with... Really? Um, with with certain bits, yeah. yeah, it's not getting in the way for me because I love it too much. But um, uh, I just spotted a few ways that they were doing it, so it's making me thinking about the ending, and and right. it's reassuring me, I think, in a way, actually, that they should know where they're going with it. That's good. Um, but anyway, um, that, uh, let's then move this on because we wanted to highlight. So it's one thing to say, like, here's how controlling yeah. ideas work, and here's how image systems work, and here's how you can link them. Yeah. Um, but we need to highlight this example by holding up a work that doesn't have these and that fails yes. to include a controlling well, system as, as, idea and image system. As I would say, most art films have image systems that are completely devoid of meaning. And we talked about this in the Unbreakable podcast. Yes. How Shyamalan does this. Yeah. This is generally what, when people say they're an auteur, what they mean is they have image systems, they don't have meaning. Uh, they're just devoid of them. They, they, they in have... Unbreakable, we talked about um, yeah. There's all the image, images glass. of mirror and glass, and the yeah. meaning is Mr. Glass is a mirror opposite of David Dunn. And like, okay, that's that's the meaning. The story doesn't really have any meaning. It's very superficial. Um, and so, uh, so the, the whole point is like, if you have an image system that isn't tied to the meaning, it's just pretentiousness. Yeah, which is what most of these sort of art films are. They're just very, very pretentious. They think that they're saying stuff that's really, really intelligent. It's like, you're really not. Uh, even worse, sometimes, they take an image system. They take an image and give it the same meaning that it has. They don't even change the meaning. Which is why I wanted to highlight the uh, the clock from earlier when you mentioned the yeah. clock. Um, um, yeah, gi- uh, inverting it somehow, giving it this different, yeah. this different this, relevance. This giving this different it an element. Uh, I mean, clocks as futile. The futility of keeping time. Like, that's something unique to Watchmen. That's not the image of a clock anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. But in Watchmen, clocks take on a very different meaning. And that reinforces the story's meaning. So it becomes about something. Whereas when you just divorce it from that, the image system is just its just a pretentious thing that critics can talk about, that uh, artists can say, look what I put in there without the stupid audience noticing. Oh, isn't that amazing how smart I am that I was able to hide it? And then if you say, isn't the image system just... Th-? And then, of course, if people don't pick up the image system, they get very annoyed. It's like, did you not notice the Im- amazing image system I put in? You go, yeah, it didn't really do anything. Well, your criticism doesn't mean anything. It's like, really? Okay, fine, fantastic, whatever. The image system has to be there for a reason. It can't yeah. just be a series the, of... Well, the images. reason is uh, for their own self-aggrandizement, but the, that's, that's a whole other thing. The, the note I just made I want to bring up now um, yeah. is... Um, is it easy to do image systems badly? I, uh, it struck me as quite an easy thing to do, just yeah, to say, you really know what, easy. I'm going to include lots of water. Oh, yeah, it's just really easy to do it. You just Yeah, you just keep referencing the same thing again and again and again, and then people will go, yeah, I've worked out what your symbolism is. <laughs> um, it's not, but, you know, it's not a symbol if it doesn't mean anything. Like, it, by definition, if something is a symbol, it means it's a symbol of something else. Right. So a clock, meaning a clock is not a symbol of a clock. It's a clock, right? But a clock, as the symbol of the end of history, 
then it's a symbol. <laughs> That's yeah. what the word means, right? Yeah. It's just one of those things. I get really wound up with it because people who have talent and stuff, they they get it's so easy to get warped in your capacity to create and just to think that every, it, because you can create, everything you create is wonderful. Yeah. And, and it's just like you haven't... You're, and it's kind of... I just find it sometimes offensive when the act of watching a film requires more effort than the people who made the film. Do you know what I mean? That's one yeah. of the reasons I can't stand like uh, the Michael Bay Transformers films. It's like it takes more effort to watch it than you did putting it together. Right. You know what I mean? It's just it's just it's it's kind of offensive to your audience. There was a that was, it just drives me crazy. Uh, there was a stand up I was listening to recently, um uh, who mentioned like the cost of movies like Transformers? Like, yeah. So it costs a hundred million dollars, and you know people pay yeah. ten dollars or ten pounds to go see it. And actually, you know what? I would pay ten dollars just to be able to look at a hundred million dollars like there in the room. <laughs> yeah. I'd rather see that than <laughs> the, the new Transformers yeah. movie. Um, but yeah, so it's yeah. it's just one of those things where like I I, I kind of rag on on these sort of. Hot, art things and stuff but it's like I, I have no problem with people wanting to do these great aspirational things like obviously like you know I'm looking at Watchmen I'm showing the brilliant artistry in it but <laughs> you know it's I'm fine it's not that I, I my favourite Alan Moore thing I can't get enough of it is Miracle Man or Marvel Man depending yeah. on whatever but it's just one of the most beautiful things and it's so poetic and I love it and I love it and I love it and it's not that poetry and these things are bad i just can't stand people who who think that art is about showing off how great you are as opposed to art is about showing something to somebody who's taken the time and effort to enjoy your work like your art should be grateful almost (laughs) and what people do when they take these image systems and they just present them as they are devoid of meaning not even a symbol or anything like that they're basically acting like they're entitled to their audience's attention. And that's what upsets me so much about it. It's not that they want to create art or that they have high ideals. It's that they fundamentally don't respect the audience's time. They aren't grateful for it. That's what drives me crazy about it. Do you think it's a, It's also just a misunderstanding of the form? Like I, I liked the way that you were talking about um, Shyamalan in the, in the Unbreakable discussion because... Yeah. He is such a good director and such a yeah. uh, such a great user of images yeah. and you know um, where the camera's positioned and yeah. color theory and everything and I completely agreed with all that but there was no there was nothing to say no you know he's he's, but I, he's I think not he's a good sincere. writer okay sincere but are you saying yeah. okay sincerity then are you saying that people who make art films aren't sincere I all I can think of is when I went to film school. And I made art films. And I had friends who made art films. And I went to art school before I went to film school. And the whole institution is sort of built around producing work no one likes. And acting like... I mean, I remember when I went... I helped uh, um, Tracy uh, with her play at Twickenham. And it was just like the, the sort of arrogance... Of the students there who had never put on a play, uh, paid for production, whereas we had, and they were just acting like they used. I was very nervous, then I thought you were. I thought you were 
I, I thought you were uh, ragging on uh, Tracy. Then, no, 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 Trace, no. Tracy, because Tracy had done actual plays. And so yeah, she yeah, knew, yeah, okay. She knew things like you should have a curtain call. Right, I'm with you. Right? With you. Whereas the others, they don't even have a curtain call. I'm just like, you're so used to people telling you, uh, pampering you and telling you how wonderful you are. And you're so used to cutting judgment out. Any sort of criticism of your work yeah. out. That what you've done is you're acting entitled to something that's really, I think it's really strong. I mean, you know, I I forget the guy's name. The guy did Whiplash in La La Land. He's great. Oh, the director? Yeah, he's great. I watched La La Land for a second time and I liked it a lot more the second time. I liked it the first time, but the second time I was really like, oh, actually this is better than I remember. And... La La Land is essentially a typical sort of European art film. But the difference is, it's like it's like the guy making it loves you. <laughs> and wants you to just enjoy the world that he sees. Yeah. And he gives it to you and you go, wow. Right? And, and Alan Moore does the same. He loves his audience. At least he did. <laughs> <laughs> But he used to love he used to love his audience. One of the reasons he refused to do conventions is when he went to conventions, people would kind of worship him, and he's like, "This isn't appropriate. You shouldn't be treating me this way. You don't know me. You shouldn't be this agog at my presence. Yeah. So I'm not going to do this anymore. You shouldn't be you shouldn't be mobbing me. Do you know what I mean? So there's this sense of like, I don't know. When it comes to these things, it's it's there's a sincerity. Like Shyamalan's not very good, but he's sincere to some extent. But I think. Um, there's this sort of like I'm entitled to make my work and you have to like it and if you don't you didn't get it and that's the end of it and it's just like mm, forget it um, let's then just uh, highlight with another example um, let's discuss the Watchmen film ah uh, yeah so it's a, yeah Watchmen film so the Watchmen film I like Zack Snyder quite a lot actually same uh, particularly after Batman v Superman when I saw like the stuff that went on behind the scenes and stuff I'm like wow actually he's really he's really trying uh, but the problem with Zack Snyder, I, d- I, d- I didn't mean it that way. I didn't. I didn't mean that way. I, when I say he's really trying, what I mean is he's really trying to do them as well as possible. He's not hacking them out. Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean by he's trying, um, uh, and he's really not hacking them out. He really is collaborative. He really pays attention. I, some, he's trying to get better. Yeah, there's and some, some behind-the-scenes stuff of Watchmen, like he same. Yes, that. he really tried. Like he, his, his, the, the storyboards he would do, right. And the problem, the problem with his Watchmen film, is he copied the the superficial elements of it and missed everything I just told you. Because none of the image systems are in the film, and the controlling idea isn't in the film. The film's controlling idea is not it's futile to save the world because people are corrupt, because. When in the film, Ozymandias' plan isn't a giant squid. His plan is to have these giant explosions happen across the planet that look like Doctor Manhattan has blown up Moscow or New York and yeah. and somewhere he else. Made, he create the, the the villain is not <laughs> the imaginary villain at the end is not an alien race. It's Doctor Manhattan. It's Doctor Manhattan. Yeah. So he makes it like Doctor Manhattan does these things, and Doctor Manhattan uh, sees Ozymandias' plan and then goes, "Oh, okay, I'll go along with it." Which leads us to wonder why he didn't just do it in the first place. Like, he could just blow them up, right? Yeah. Uh, if he wanted to. If he thought that would work, why not just do it? He can see the future. Um, so, it doesn't really make sense anyway. But, 
he blows up the he blows up these things, and so Doctor Manhattan goes, "Yeah, okay, I'll go along with it." So now it's like you can save the world because Doctor Manhattan is terrifying, right? Yeah. He's actually a real thing. The aliens don't exist, right? Doctor Manhattan now has this thing where he's making the noble sacrifice of sacrificing himself to save everyone else, which is like, wait, what? And when Rorschach's journal goes through. It doesn't mean anything because if if it comes out that Oz- Ozymandias made the whole thing up, Doctor Manhattan just has to come back from Mars and go, "Yeah, no, that didn't happen. I actually did do it, and I'll blow up another city to prove it." Yeah, be nice to each other and then disappear again. So this whole thing is just like it's really sort of a cheap, weak. Do you think? Thing. It, do you think it's just a, a fundamental misreading of the uh, climax of the story? Because uh, yeah. there's a there's there's a line you mentioned that I I it's it's entirely possible I missed, but Ozymandias after yeah. he's done it, turning to Doctor Manhattan and saying, oh, I, "I did the right thing," didn't yeah. I? Yeah, that is very key to understanding really that, that this is all futile. Yeah, you can read the ending as though okay, Ozymandias like he's an asshole, he's crazy, but okay, he's kind of saved the world. Well, th- this is the thing: if you miss the subtext of Watchmen, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you get the wrong lessons and. Zack Snyder kind of is blind to subtext in a way and he doesn't he didn't pick up on it and by changing Doctor Manhattan and replacing it with the squid on the one hand it's kind of a resourcefulness to it I thought so when I first saw yeah, the movie the, it's kind the, of resourceful I was like oh that yeah. makes some sense but it completely changes the story yeah and then the image systems aren't there they aren't there uh, no one is powerless this is the problem when you have Night Owl doing wire foo kung fu throughout the film <laughs> and like kick flipping things. It's like if he can do that, he doesn't seem impotent. Yeah. Right? And if he can do all those things, then when Ozymandias, there's a bit where Ozymandias catches a bullet. He sa- they say to him, How could you've had an assassin come and try and kill you? What if he'd shot you? And Ozymandias goes, Well, I guess I would have had to catch the bullet. And they're like, You're just full of it. There's no way you can catch a bullet. Then Silk Spectre shoots him. And he jumps at her, and she takes the shot, and he goes, oh, and he clutches his chest, and he falls down. It looks like he's dead. Then he opens his hand, and he caught the bullet. <laughs> and you go, holy, what? Like that, he can catch the bullet. That's insane. That only works if, like, they seem normal. Yeah. But if they're doing, like, Spider-Man acrobatics and kick-flipping things in slow motion, him catching a bullet doesn't have any weight at all. And so, like, because he... It's, I made the joke, like, um, you know, <laughs> he turned everything up to 11. <laughs> it's, everything's at 11, so it's just, like, it, it, the whole powerless thing is completely gone from the film. Yeah. And because that's gone from the film, the clock imagery, the clock motif imagery, just seems like it's tracking time. Yeah. It doesn't feel like time is running out. Um, and so... Because those image systems aren't there, the futility isn't there, and so now the ending feels like, hey, Ozymandias probably won. He did it. And you're like, uh, but his plan is to kill like millions of innocent people. That's okay. It's So, anyway. Um, let's, uh, let's start to wrap this up then. Um, I kind of want to do both versions of the summary here, because we've covered a few points, but I also want to focus on what we take away from it. So, okay. um, just really quickly then um, uh, just redefine uh, or define again uh, image system and controlling idea. So an image system is when you take a, a category of imagery in prose, dialogue, visuals, etc. And they have, uh, you take that, that image and you give it another meaning within the work. 
and so it becomes a symbol of something else and that that meaning resonates with the controlling idea it helps express the controlling idea in some way and the controlling idea is how and why life changes as the two work together uh, if you divorce the two from each other there's a very good chance that a you don't have a controlling idea at all and that your image system will be very pretentious if not completely obvious and ineffective yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay uh, controlling idea then of watchmen and also you don't have to have an image system it's only if you're doing poetics Certain, yes yeah. yeah so controlling idea of watchmen uh, is uh, it's futile to save the world because people are inherently corrupt Okay, and the image systems again of Watchmen. Uh, you've got um, the clock. Uh, you've got sort of clocks as the winding down of history, as the end of history, and the powerful as impotent. Superb. Um, I'm assuming you don't want to add anything to do with art films. No, no, no. <laughs> um, but just anything to to add on the Watchmen movie. No, I mean, he tried really hard, he really did. Um, it was gen genuinely motivated out of a love for the original, but he just, um, he he missed what the original was doing. Yeah. He didn't pick up on, he didn't pick up on it, he copied the, um, he copied it almost word for word, and the irony is the small changes he did completely undid it. Which is appropriate, because Watchmen is all about how intricate everything is, right? <laughs> so, like, it's kind of appropriate. But, um, it's unfortunate, I mean, he really did try. He really, he really did. I do love the way I do love Snyder's visual style. Yeah, like the because it's like a comic book. Those yeah. little slow he wor motion he worked, bits. He worked so I remember, hard. I remember you calling that when we watched. We just seen three hundred. I think yeah. for the first time. Um, and you can I you know I love the slow motion bits because they're just kind of cool. And then yeah. afterwards you said, well, yeah, it's a it's a comic book. Yeah, on, it's like he's freezing screen. on the panel. Yeah, um, but um, it's it's a nice. It was a nice t trick once. <laughs> <laughs> and it didn't work for Watchmen I mean with 300 it did work because it was part of the whole adrenaline of it Yeah. but okay. Watchmen you don't have the kinetics that need slowing down that's true and so he put those kinetics in what, and he undid an image where it did work for me was the the murder of the comedian no that's me. true that that bit yeah you're quite right That's but that's the only kinetics in the whole right <laughs> right um, um Okay, but no, you're, you're quite right. That is a, that was a bit. But um, so that's that that's the summary. But I wanted to address then from all of this what we what we take for our own writing. Um, well, what you take what I would suggest is if you're going to use it, to do image systems and, and this kind of stuff, controlling ideas and image systems do not need to be this complex. They do not need to be this insightful. And it's it's I think the thing to take away is. Uh, if you think that the only thing you can possibly do is write Watchmen or you failed, you've probably got it wrong. Like, this is just... If you're setting your sights to doing sort of poetic storytelling and long-form poetic storytelling, yeah. then this is kind of the thing you have to think about. But you don't have to do it. Um, and it's not something that you should that just... Goes, so that goes for image systems. But yeah. You always need a controlling You always have idea. a controlling idea, but it doesn't have to be something so profound necessarily. There, that's a good way to um, do it, actually. Because, yeah. like, the, that's not Die Hard. Die Hard's a great film. Yeah. It's a great enjoy, but the controlling idea of Die Hard isn't that profound. I love Columbo. The controlling idea of Columbo isn't that profound. You know, the controlling idea of Columbo is crime doesn't pay because the detective will trick you into giving <laughs> uh, giving up the evidence against you, like I love that, but it's nothing. 
it's that's not like a hugely profound thing about life or yeah. anything like that. It's just it's a really sweet little little tiny little enrichment. That's it, and it's fine. So it's just one of those things where I think people are uh, become kind of like moths, you know, drawn to the flame, as it were. When it comes to this kind of stuff, they they get so drawn to the idea of being, you know, respected critically and artistically that they they kind of forget that maybe that's not how you see the world maybe that's not yeah. how you look at things that's not that's there's no problem with that um and you don't have to, to do that and it's to do with that idea that you're often told but it's it's quite hard to quantify it about finding your voice yeah what so, do you have to what yeah, do you have to say what do you have to say bearing in mind it'll take you years to have anything really profound to say at all um, what do you have to say? What's the kind of things that you like to speak yeah. about? Stuff like you know, Shane Black loves Christmas, <laughs> right? All his films take place at Christmas. Die Hard, which you consulted on, got put at Christmas, you know. <laughs> and so, like, he likes all his films take place at Christmas. It's just this thing that he likes to do, and he uses Christmas to express how people are lonelier. You know, at Christmas, people who are lonely feel lonelier. Yeah. And that kind of stuff. And so he's just using it and it's sweet and it's cute and it's wonderful and you know? And it's not like this heavy Oh the world is futile <laughs> like it doesn't have to be this way all yeah. the time. But um at the same time, you know, Herman Melville couldn't look at whaling without seeing enormous theological references everywhere he looked, and so he wrote Moby Dick. Right? And it's just steeped in theological imagery. Right. So it's it's just how you know, you, you you do your own thing, but this is just a thing. Like, if you feel yourself drawn to this, okay, this is what you're trying to do. Sure. And don't 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 get caught up in the sort of mysticism of it. It's not that mystical. You know, it's I don't know. Nice. I appreciated you not being sarcastic. <laughs> I did. Great. So thank you. Okay, fine. Makes my life a lot easier. <laughs> well, <coughs> I'm out. I'm done. So yes, fine. <laughs> I'll tell you who watches The Watchmen. Don't even know what that means. <laughs> there we go. I knew it couldn't last that well. The professionalism <laughs> just had to go at the end somehow. Somehow, so they had to take it from me. Frankly, you I'm know so what else I, I like? What? Tom Strong. <laughs> I love Alan Moore's Tom Strong. For me, my two favorite Alan Moore things are Tom Strong and Miracle Man. Watchmen. I, lo- I really respect it. Meh. I disagree. <laughs> you know? That's I, the quote we need to pull from this. Meh. I, I, if we edit that at the beginning of the I think it's obvious how much Watchmen. I appreciate meh. and respect Watchmen. But meh. I would rather wa- read Tom Strong. I would rather read Miracle Man again. I love those two so much. <sighs> Tom okay. Strong's amazing. No one has read it. Tom Strong does not get the respect it deserves. Okay, I've 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 lost it. I've lost it. Frankly, I'm surprised we're still recording. I'll stop it. <laughs>